Welcome to the third edition of Morbid Symptoms, the podcast where we try and examine the ongoing pandemic that we're all living through, through the lens of sociological theory and disaster research. My name is Wes Cheek. I'm a visiting researcher and JSPS fellow at Ritz-Macon's Institute for Disaster Mitigation of Urban Cultural Heritage. On today's episode, we're going to look deeper into urban theory and understand some of the dynamics taking place with the rise and spread of the coronavirus. Urban theorist Neil Brenner, building on the work of earlier critical urban theorists such as Henri Lefebvre, Emmanuel Castells, and David Harvey, has advocated for new ways of mapping our current world, new ways of examining human interactions uh, that goes beyond just the topographical. In Brenner's and others' formulation, the concept of the city is pure ideology, as is the concept of the rural. But the churning, the creative destruction of settlement patterns, contradictory processes uh, of capital development, the tension that exists in that is is what we should be examining rather than the object of a city. Um, Influential French urban theorist Henri Lefebvre, who had spent the World War II years fighting Nazis in the French resistance and arose in post-war years as an influential Marxist, although one who had a rather public break with the Communist Party, uh, posited in 1970 that society has been completely urbanized. So that's one of these important questions that runs throughout urban theory, and we can't uh, answer the entire question here today. But but what did he mean by that? So Lefebvre meant that there was nowhere on earth that was not in some way affected by the activities of modern humankind, and, and that all filtered back into what we thought of as the urban or, or thought of as the city. Even in the fierce North Sea, humans have erected oil platforms. Off the coast of Asia, fleets of squid fishermen light the dark ocean at night. If you ever fly above it, you can see their lights out there. The tar sands of Canada, people drill for natural gas. Um, there, there's no real place on Earth that, that is removed from human action, right? And humans aren't doing this as hobbyists. They're doing this because our economic system compels them to, right? So Lefebvre saw the global urbanization of the world, this explosion of spaces, right? He called it explosion of spaces and implosions. Uh, This involves a a destruction of boundaries and categories. The world exists in a constant state of churn, right? This action, this constantly making and remaking uh, globalized urbanization. So we can take this all the way back to Marx, who kind of notably didn't speak that much about... Uh, urban conditions, except he kind of did in some ways. So Marx, when speaking on the importance of cities to to capital accumulation, said, the city is central to capitalism. That's why it's so important to understand it. Uh, Lefebvre asserted that the city was, in effect, everywhere now. In the German ideology, Marx contends that property owners can grant themselves a particular form of freedom through their possession of land. This is an ability that is not available to the proletariat, right, to most people on earth. Uh, additionally, in the same work, Mark describes the system by which the self-employed are alienated from their craft by being forced into the larger market. Part of the dynamic that forces this isolation is spatial, right? As capital, which is an accumulation of labor, is increased, this surplus is used to increase and expand the means of production. These means of production are not just conceptual. They are spaces and structures, factories and warehouses. Therefore, the inquiry of society that Marx set out to undertake had a spatial component. Uh, for Henri Lefebvre, space was multifaceted, being solid and ephemeral, organic and constructed. It was at the same time a product of geography and a production of society. This conception of space acknowledged Hegel's idea that space was the residue of time and emphasized Marx's ideas of production as a means of cementing an existed social order. Lefebvre referred to his conception of urbanization as the production of space. That's a very famous, uh, in urban theory, Lefebvre's production of space. In his work, Lefebvre uh, 
decried the city, in particular European cities, as becoming homogenized, swept up in the same process of urbanization as the rest of the world. Buildings that once expressed meaning were now adorned with ornamentation. Structures now became monuments to capitalism, signboards of power. Capitalism doesn't just produce space, it occupies it. This occupation is not neutral. It reinforces an unequal status quo. Human beings moved to the city, but were no longer a part of it in a deeper sense. They were interchangeable pieces in a globalized economy. Okay, well, what does all of that have to do with the coronavirus and the pandemic that we're facing today? That's a good question. <laughs> so let's think back to India and its period under the colonial rule of the British. While cholera had existed in the Ganges Delta for centuries, it had only been a sporadic local phenomenon. The first cholera pandemic occurred in 1817, rapidly spreading from the Ganges Delta along European trade routes and on throughout the world uh, through British troops returning from India and other points in Southeast Asia. The first cholera pandemic was not just a spreading virus. It was a map, a map that traced the outlines of an empire that illustrated the contours of colonialism. Without the British colonization of India and the exploitation of the empire's hinterlands as a driver of early capitalism, cholera would have most likely remained a local phenomenon. In 1829, a second cholera pandemic broke out. As with the first, it originated in India and then traced the lines of trade and military movements through Central Asia and the Middle East and on to Europe. This time, the disease made it to Britain itself, emerging in ports first, for obvious reasons. By the early 1830s, cholera had made it to the Americas. The churn of colonization and early capitalism had uprooted a local virus and spread it across the world. Not in any random pattern, but in the same movements that supported colonialism and capitalism, those of the military and trade. Similarly, yellow fever is thought to have originated in Africa and moved to the Americas with the rise of the slave trade, another deadly disease. Once established in Central and South America and the Caribbean, yellow fever's spread was accelerated through the destruction caused by sugar plantations, which created ideal breeding habits for the mosquitoes to transmit the, the virus. Is this all to say that only colonialism and capitalism spread diseases? No, of course not. In fact, the evidence tells us that is not the case at all, right? We can see any, lots of other kinds of systems can also create and spread disease, right? But the system that we have is, is capitalism, right? So what we can see, however, is that the economic conditions of the society are implicated in the spread of a pandemic. In this current moment we live in, an age that is not only globalized, but where people and goods can move around the world quickly, think back to what Marx said about the obliteration of space and time. Whereas it took troop movements to bring cholera from India to Central Asia, the coronavirus can hop on a plane to anywhere in the world. Uh, because of this, then, is it accurate to think of the coronavirus as a way to map our current world? The early history of the coronavirus, COVID-19, is not yet established. However, the first outbreak, outbreak centered around uh, Wuhan, China. And it's important to note we're talking about this. Uh, we're talking about the implications of capitalism and colonialism. And we're also talking about a virus that seems to originate in China. Uh, I don't want to get too confused here, but there are lots of debates about the role that China plays in, in, economically in the world. Um, we can talk about the system of government in China, whether it is... Uh, actually existing communism or a part of larger capitalism. Um, we don't need to get into all of that right now, but we know that China is intricately connected into a global system of trade, which is largely uh, capitalist in nature. Right. So the conflicting interests of power and class create a complicated tangle that cannot be unraveled without examining the underlying structure that drive urban growth. Understanding this context involves addressing the utilization of urban space as a vehicle for the accumulation of capital. 
regarding cities as a product of neoclassical economic theory that view them as concentrated sites of commodification, in revealing the urban environment as a place of contestation and displaying how cities maintain themselves or change to preserve this economic paradigm. Space is a solidification of relationships of power into material structures. <clears throat> so how does that, what, how can we see that happening today with the coronavirus? I've titled this uh, podcast Morbid Symptoms after the Gramsci quote, and we're kind of examining how those morbid symptoms of the world that has not yet been born versus the world that is dying are playing out as part of this, right? So let's look at something from the news. So this week, the first week in April 2020, the USS Theodore Roosevelt, an aircraft carrier with nearly 5,000 sailors on board, has been evacuating people from the ship while in port in Guam. So far, there have been 100 cases of COVID-19 on board the ship, while less than half of the crew have been tested yet. Uh, Guam is a small island in the Pacific Ocean uh, that became a territory of the United States in 1898 following the Spanish-American War. It became a stop for American ships sailing on to other colonial holdings in the Philippines and eventually became a military outpost for the United States. The indigenous people of Guam, the Choros, still make up 40% of the island's population. In order to escape the spread of COVID-19 on board the USS Theodore Roosevelt, over 1,000 sailors are now being quarantined in local hotels on Guam. While the motivation for evacuating the ship is understandable and from a public health standpoint advisable, it is well within the range of possibility that sailors who are infected with the virus will end up spreading the infection through the local population. Again, we can trace the outlines of empire through the spread of the pandemic. We can also connect that to the built environment that exists to support this empire, in this case, a U.S. Navy port in Guam. It should also be noted that Captain Brett Crozier was removed from command of the USS Theodore Roosevelt. Uh, for acting out of concern for his sailors. This is often how the structures of our society work. Even in making the right choice for the people on his ship, Captain Crozier was perpetuating the military hegemony of the United States, while at the same time being punished for trying to do the right thing. We all very much live within the society that we're born into. Also this week, uh, the ship we referred to in the first episode, the Zandam, is trying to dock in Port Everglades, Florida, and is being prevented in some ways by the governor of Florida, Ron DeSantis, who is saying now he will only evacuate residents of Florida from the ship, right? So whereas before the pandemic, um, globalized trade was encouraged, ports are built to encourage ships from all over the world to have ease of docking at different ports. Uh, When this becomes people, uh, it starts to become a different matter instead of goods and services, especially when it becomes people who might have uh, a virus, right? So we see how all these things work in conjunction with each other, but can also work against each other in this inherent tension in in the system itself. So looking back at the theory of this, uh, we can say a city is not just a named entity with administrative borders. It is a base of production with tendrils that spread throughout a larger area. Cities with larger sites of capital production stretch their influence even farther afield, nationally and internationally. We can imagine a production facility in the Pacific Northwest that utilizes circuitry assembled in China that contains rare earth metals harvested in Africa. The city is now something not defined by its mayor or a road sign. It is a larger entity with influence extending far beyond its previously assumed borders. So the COVID-19 pandemic is tracing the lines of our globalized economy, creating a new kind of map, one that illustrates existing power structures and inequalities, if you know how to read it and what to look for. All right, thanks. I'll see you next time on Morbid Symptoms.